but George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Paradigm Symposium 2013 is now only days away. Descending on St. Paul, Minnesota this October 17th through the 20th. Okay, guys, welcome to uh, Special Grimerica. Um, coming to you live from the Paradigm Symposium. Actually, I suppose by this point, the Paradigm Symposium Aftermath. Uh, as always, how's it going, Graham? Hey, good. Yeah, the Paradigm uh, 2013 Symposium is finally wrapped up and finished. And Red Pill Junkie and I are sitting here just going to do a little little post-op for you. Post-op. Kind of the Paradigm after party, if you will. I heard uh, you guys on Intrepid a little bit last night. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty crazy. We were recording uh, live right out of the, the restaurant bar here in the in the Kelly Inn in, in Minneapolis, or no, in St. Paul, Minnesota. That was fucking hilarious. You should have seen, uh, they're like, they were going around the table saying all the names or whatever. They're like, Graham Dunlop. And John Wood's like, who? Who's <laughs> Graham Dunlop? And then they must have pointed at you or something. He's like, oh, Graham. Yeah, he didn't know my last name. Yeah, it was pretty funny. He's like, Dunlop, what's your surname? He says, I didn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> you don't know what surname means? Oh, what, coming out of his mouth? Then Surname. He could speak at that point, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a really good, uh, really good show. Lots of lots of uh, socializing with uh, guests and speakers and people attending. It was it was fantastic. And you turned out to be a bit of a speaker yourself. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I was on a little panel there with a bunch of uh, kind of new media podcasters and radio hosts and stuff. That was pretty cool. Yeah, you were like the rookie. The so, rookie. Uh, yeah, one of the highlights was uh, a question that I asked uh, PZ Myers. Ooh, do tell. Yeah. <laughs> did you not hear about it yet? No, how did I hear about it? Well, I, I don't know, because you're uh, telepathically... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> because you have raised your 5D energy, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I my five D's down. Was, I thought maybe RPJ was tweeting you, and because people were tweeting you the whole time anyway, so I didn't know what you actually heard and what you haven't. Oh no, I haven't got really any tweets from Paradigm. Okay, mm. all right. So, anyways, we uh, we were in the bar the night before, mm -hmm. and it was really cool. We're chatting with a bunch of people. We're sharing our UFO sightings with each other, and other strange encounters with shadow people and all this stuff. Like it, it's really cool to be able to chat about uh, all that stuff with people. And uh, a guy named uh, Leon from New York brought up the Hudson Valley sightings and the whole flap there. And he was talking about that one part where there was like 7,000 people reporting uh, UFO sightings. So I asked, I asked PZ about that. I, and I told him we were, we were chatting about it and, and this uh, underrated UFO flap from the Hudson Valley came up. And uh, I said, you know, there's 7,000 reports from people seeing this large object flying through the sky. And 
So I said, what, why can't the skeptical community, the big S skeptical community, at least admit there's a legitimate phenomena that deserves further study? And then he, he said, well, who says that we don't? Which was, you know, which is a fair point um, mm -hmm. in a way. And then he, he, he talked a bit about secret government craft. Um, and then he says, basically, though, his conclusion was that, uh, that everybody was delusional. Yeah, that those were those the lights were airplanes instead yeah. of a big ass boomerang type yeah. you know, a, a mothership. Huh. What how and your how did you respond? I don't think I responded. The crowd laughed. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the crowd was clearly not pleased with his answer. But then again, that's exactly what he wanted, I guess. Yeah, uh, I'd imagine he would have been pretty controversial. Was he, what, did he hang around there all weekend, or he just showed up on one day? I think that during the cocktail party with the VIPs, he hung around mostly with Thomas Fosco. I mean, he was the only one willing to spend some time to, with him, and I think they got along pretty, pretty cordially, you know. Uh, and Thomas Fosco then, I, I actually spent... Uh, a lot of time with Thomas uh, during Saturday, more than two hours speaking to him privately. I even missed, totally missed uh, this, the presentation with our friends John and Scotty. But well, anyway, the thing is that Thomas told me that during their conversation, he managed to shut up uh, Busy Myers when Busy Myers wants to tell him, well, we pretty much have solved most of the uh, things uh, about, uh, well, maybe I'm paraphrasing wrongly. The fact is that uh, Thomas Fosco made him see that there are still a lot of fundamental mysteries in order to really raise the foundation for science. For example, the, uh, the, fact, the fact about dark matter. P.C. Myers was under the to tell him that we have already detected dark, dark matter, and Thomas Fosco said, no, we haven't. We have detected an effect that we suspect, we believe, we hope that is the result of dark matter, but there is not a conclusive uh, evidence for it. And that kind of gave him, gave Busy Meyer pause, that kind of put him in his place. After all, he's not an astrophysicist, he's not a cosmologist, he is an evolutionary biologist, but like most professional skeptics, quote unquote, he thinks that. Being a skeptic gives them uh, a degree in everythingology. Everythingology. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Life one hundred and one. Yeah. Yeah. I got so a degree during, in that. And then PZ's PZ did a presentation, yeah. and it was pretty good. I mean, he went through the whole uh, like it was kind of like evolution, evolution one hundred and one in a way. I mean, it was very informative. But uh, part of his presentation was kind of to debunk the whole ancient alien mm -hmm. thing, which. Which is okay in one sense, but I think that he was presenting it uh, in a way that made it sound like that's what we were there propagating, and we weren't there propagating. Like none of the speakers were saying that aliens were building any kind of ancient structures at all. That wasn't the, you know, that wasn't the meme here at the conference. The meme would have been more like civil modern civilization is older than we think. Yeah, if I was to summarize it. I think that he came under the impression that everyone uh, that attended the conference was 
pushing the theory that aliens built the pyramids. Or right? they helped us build them. Or they helped us build the pyramids. Uh, also that aliens came and uh, altered, uh, altered our genetics, so they changed our, our, uh, or uh, furthered our evolution. Uh, but um, I think that, well, to be fair, some of the pres uh, one of the presenters, L.A. Marzulli, he kind of was giving that spiel during the first presentations on Sunday morning. And to be honest, I was having myself a hard time trying to get uh, believe the, the things that he was saying in the presentation. There was a time he, when he was saying that the Nephilim were, were uh, uh, tinkering with the genetics of animals and that's where all the centaurs and the minotaurs were, came from. That's when the moment that I raised and I went to the bathroom because I had enough. So if someone like P.C. Myers uh, intends to attack someone like L.A. Marsuli, I actually don't have any problem with that. The problem I will have is, with him is he also tried to attack the presentation of Mr. Laird Scranton, who is, uh, well, a person who well-versed in symbology, in comparative, in comparative uh, languages, and he was trying to make a comparison between the languages of the Dogon, the Egyptians, the Chinese even, and he was also trying to make the case that Dogon cosmology kind of relates to what we in modern world uh, know about the nature of the cosmos thanks to string theory, right? And so P.C. Myers uh, was particularly vicious against Mr. Uh, Lars Scranton. And okay, here my personal opinion is that I find Mr. Scranton's uh, material fascinating, although I actually don't see a very conclusive evidence that would suggest that uh, the Dogon uh, had uh, any in, insider cosmology or their religion, uh, any understanding of nature akin to what we now, well, what modern string theory presents. I mean, Mr. Scr uh, Mr. Scranton's trying to make the case that maybe someone came uh, and taught uh, something like string theory to the Dogon, and they incorporated that in, in, into their culture, their symbology, their cosmology, their theology. And well, as, as fascinating as that sounds, I think that uh, he needs to come up with something more in order to really prove his uh, theory to even someone like P.C. Myers, although, well, maybe P.C. Myers will never be convinced by anything Mr. Lars Cranton says. The other thing that, that I was thinking about when um, P.C. PZ was talking about that was, um, now I've lost my, lost my well, thought there. Well, let me tell you something more about P.C. Myers' presentation. I was kind of surprised when he said at one moment uh, that, uh, during, during his presentation that uh, he didn't believe uh, that he thought that panspermia, the theory that uh, life in our planet could have been seeded by a way of cometary impacts on uh, of or even maybe bacteria piggybacking arrived uh, uh, through asteroids uh, crushing on Earth uh, uh, millions or billions of years ago. He uh, stated that in, uh, a panspermia is highly unlikely, and that I kind of was amazed by that. You know, I, I think that uh, such a statement wouldn't have been. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, taken the, with uh, uh, very seriously by modern uh, astronomers or people working at NASA. I mean, I think that by now panspermia is is becoming much more acceptable. I think that it's in the brink of becoming uh, fully embraced by the mainstream. So the fact that he says highly unlikely, I was kind of amazed by that. Yeah. Yeah, I think they've been getting us ready for that bombshell for a while now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing he said that that I was that I finally remembered here is that didn't he say that we were sort of being racist uh, against ancient cultures if we thought that they couldn't do all this themselves? Exactly. That's one of the oldest arguments of the skeptics against the ancient alien theory. That to say that someone helped the ancients to, I don't know, taught them the basics of civilization or, or maybe even helped them to build their, uh, their ancient uh, monuments is racist because then you belittle their intelligence, like their accomplishments. You treat them like they were, you know, a, a, I don't know, so he- incapable children, right? Yeah. But on the other hand, apparently, Telling that the ancients were all full of shit when they said that the gods came from the sky. That's what I was just going to say. So on one hand, he's saying that. Yeah. On the other hand, they don't believe a written word that they say then? Yeah, because, oh, that's all superstition and mythology. Yeah. And they were kind of yeah. kind of liars. Yeah. You yet, know? yet they were fine interlocking all these massive 10-ton yeah. blocks together. So I yeah. think they, they, she's just changing one type of racism, if you will, for other type of racism. Right. Is it racism? I don't think it's racism. Well, I don't know. Bias, you know. Eraism. Xenophobia? Huh? Eraism? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, just trying, yeah, like looking down upon the ancients, right? Keep thinking that we're still above them. So um, I, did, I do want to summarize just uh, for our listeners and, and for you, Darren, again, who, uh, who was basically at the, at the conference, who was speaking. So we had we had uh, Micah Hanks, Nick Redfern, John Ward, and his wife, Dr. Maria Nielsen, who did a presentation on uh, El Cecilia. What is it? Gabel El Cecilia. And then we have uh, David Weatherly, Robert Bouval, Gary Evans, Christopher O'Brien. Uh, there was a panel discussion. John Ward and uh, Scotty Roberts did a presentation. Scott Walter. Uh, Robert Schock, L.A. Marzulli, Laird Scranton, Joseph Mera, and uh, and then P.Z. Myers. So I think I'm missing a couple in there too, but that's that's kind of like the main line. I think that Joseph uh, Mera uh, ended up wrapping the paradigm. Yeah. You you yeah. forgot Thomas Fosco, who came and Thomas Fosco, just yeah. after. Right. Yeah. Who's yeah, Kino? Any... Uh, nobody really. Uh, Micah was first, but I don't know if there was a keynote. I don't know. I, don't I, I, was, he, I yeah. hadn't arrived but, yet. But um, Robert So Bavall, my Nick Redford prediction didn't come true. Oh, Nick Red. Oh, yeah, I, I said him, yeah. What was that prediction? What was the prediction? Oh, the keynote. Remember I said he was keynote? Yeah, I don't think there, there was a keynote. No. But, I mean, Bouval spoke twice. He had two presentations. Ah, you forgot so. Dan Madsen, I think. Oh, and Dan Madsen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. who was uh, here also last year. He talked about the myth and mythology of uh, Star Wars. And of course, he pleased me pretty much yeah. because I'm yeah. a big Star Wars fan. Yeah, that that was yeah, good. yeah. Some of that Star Wars shit is good, mm-hmm. especially uh, fucking that Robert Sullivan, the fourth episode. He was talking about some of the Masonic fucking or what is it, Gnostic fucking 
symbology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thinking about the symbology of Star Wars, the Gnosticism, com the comparison with other other fantasy, like for example Tolkien. Uh, there's a lot of Tolkien in the Star Wars mythos. Yeah, and also the Jungian uh, archetype. Archetypal things, right? Exactly. With the you know, monomythical. Uh, yeah, you know. that's a it, yeah, it's a theory I happen to agree uh, highly because all these uh, very classic uh, sci-fi and fantasy films like Star Trek and Star Wars, the reason that they they are still relevant is because they they deal with myths and archetypes. That's the only reason that people. 40 or 50 years ago, they maybe weren't even born when they were first released, are still obsessed with it. Hmm. I'd say I still prefer Star Trek. Uh, you really? Star Trek. Over Star Wars? Fuck yeah, man, any day. Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Pat Stu. <laughs> So the, the highlight, though, again, for even for a lot of the, the guests um, and the speakers and even for a lot of the attendees was just the FaceTime we got with everybody. Like like RPJ was saying here, he got to talk with Thomas Fusco for a couple hours. Like So mm -hmm. a lot of these guys really made themselves available. They're all super friendly, um, and you could just chat it up with them many time. Like So you really got a chance to, to uh, get a feeling for the people themselves, you know? Yeah, I think it's important for people to realize that, okay, you can get any available information on the web. You may be able to uh, later uh, get a hold on the DVDs that will be released by our friends Scotty and Micah uh, through the Paradigm website. Maybe they will even try to find other venues to release the, the recorded DVDs uh, of the presentations. I don't know, some streaming or whatever. But that doesn't come near the, the, the effect of the joy of, try, of actually interacting face-to-face -face with people you have maybe heard of them or admired of them because you read your books all your life, you know? You're finally being face-to-face -face with someone like Christopher O'Brien, who, I mean, I happen to have a, high, a, a lot of respect for him. And then he actually humbled me when he said that he, he's a big fan of my blog and he, he, he always have liked what I what I write and uh, the, the, having the chance to spend a few minutes chatting with him I mean that's uh, that's really worth the ticket yeah yeah that was really good so mm -hmm. is it more than last year even last year kind of had that same sort of vibe yeah except I think for that, Von Daniken was kind of well, a dick but <laughs> kind of a douche yeah, I think. Well, I'm busy Myers now. I guess he's not coming on the show now, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll still have him on. Whatever. Uh, I'll, we might even talk about it. We better have Ramon instead, man. Yeah, that's who, I've, that's who I've actually been emailing with is Ramon. But there's zero chance that they listen. There's zero chance. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know about that, man. I think the Gramerica show... It's going to increase its audience tenfold by the time that Graham returns to Calgary. Out of boy, Graham. I haven't yeah, seen a I big was... jump in the numbers yet, but. Well, you need to start getting busy, man. You need to start printing, printing, uh, greeting, uh, uh, cars, flyers, yeah. and yeah. cards, and uh, t-shirts and whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The wife's supposed to get the cards and shit. Go. Well, we were gonna do that guerrilla marketing technique that Jared was talking about. See how many different countries we could get pictures of a Grimerica show flyer on a pole and. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. We should still do that. I didn't know that was Jared's idea. Yeah, that was Jared's idea. Yeah. But you guys have a baby to have, so just focus on that. Families first, and then we'll deal with all this Grimerica stuff mm -hmm. after. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, Graham, you should tell the uh, people listening to us uh, who were your favorite presenters and why. Yeah, okay. So David Weatherly actually really, uh, really surprised me. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that I saw his presentation before. I guess it was on the Black Eyed Kids one. But I think this presentation he did this mm -hmm. time was way, way, much more closer to his heart, I think. He had, yeah. he, like RPJ said, he's a master storyteller. Like, so he talked about um, tulpas and thought forms. Um, and he went through his own story and then he, he wrapped around the, uh, the old Tibetan traditions and the Tibetan monks and where tulpas come from. And, and it was quite an amazing, I, I, a couple times, I'm trying to remember what area the presentation is in though, but I had a real res, I was really resonating with what he said. I got full body shivers a couple times. It was, uh, probably when he's talking about the group consciousness and, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, we should have him on real soon. I mean, we've been talking to him back and forth a while now about coming on. Yeah, definitely. I, I by now I consider David a, a close friend, and everybody was complimenting. You know, like Graham told him, he's a master storyteller. He, he unlike some of the presenters, he likes to move uh, through the stage. He likes to get eye contact with his audience. He knows when to deliver a punchline. He knows when to change the tone of the audience. He knows when mm -hmm. to uh, to change the subject, you know. Uh, and, and to squeeze his presentation within the time limit. Exactly, something that some of the other presenters had a, kind of a rough time. By the end, they were rushing through the slides, you know, and trying to cram as much information as possible within the uh, uh, limited time. Yeah, like guys like Robert Schock who had presentation that could take days yeah. to go over. Like he, he goes in and he'll do presentations that take days. Yeah. And he had to squeeze that down mm -hmm. to an hour and 15 minutes. So that was pretty challenging for him. He did a great job and he was moving oh, at yeah. a great pace, very mm -hmm. fast, fascinating stuff. Well, yeah. that's why we need to have all these uh, guys on guys and gals on Grimerica, so that uh, so that our listeners can hear, you know, a little deeper. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for we'll sure. get deeper on a lot of this stuff. So another one of my favorites, of course, was Gary Evans because he was uh, <laughs> talking about the. <laughs> he was the more uh, spiritual one, New Age, talking about you know yoga and meditation and Tai Chi and mantras and sound healing and you know. Um, working on vibration and oh it was great so he did he actually did a little a little example for us of some of the toning they were doing in the in the great pyramid and i felt i mean i felt some physical uh sensations there actually cassidy o'connor you know uh, one of our friends you know one of the fellow organizers of the intrepid uh, uh, of the, sorry what i'm talking he works on kgra radio he, yeah. has, he has she has her own sh uh, radio show she helped organize the paradigm symposium and she told me that she kind of felt a, a bit sick after gary show that video when he's lying on the king's chamber he's trying to do some tonal work you know uh, working with his voice very uh, delivering these very grave sounds and she told me that she felt kind of sick i didn't feel actually anything maybe, maybe, but well i don't think she's ready to have her vibrations uh, raised. <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> I felt it tweaking in my third eye. I'm not shitting. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that Aaron would have loved <laughs> Gary's presentations. You know? I'd love to do that with Gary. I mean, j just to have the balls and the courage also when you're at an ancient site to actually like express your yourself vocally like that in front of people and tone, that's, man, that's... That's that's good stuff. Why, I mean, do that's hard to front, do. why do you do it in front of people? You did it in front of people? Well, you have to if you're at these ancient sites. Like if you're at Chichen Itza and you're going to tone, you know, you can't just fucking reserve the place to be in there solo. <laughs> well, you bro, in Mexico, sure you probably you can. could. Yeah, <laughs> sure. afford it. <laughs> or you just you just fucking sneak in, at, sneak in at night or something. You just you can't. I guess yeah, whatever. Okay. Teach his own. That'd be weird for me. Personally, I'd be weird. That'd weird me out. If what? If I was standing in some place, or like if I was walking around with you and you started like moaning and groaning, and we were at Chichen Itza, I'd, I might walk away. Avert <laughs> <laughs> eye contact and just go slowly back. If I was just going like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Okay, let, let me tell you something, you know, about Gary. Sure, you know, the first, if you're not prepared for that kind of uh, uh, presentation that uses that type of jargon, that to me is like a, like a trigger language, you know, vibrations and chakras and third eyes and all that, you kind of will say, okay, this is new age fucking bullshit, you know? But when you see the rest of the presentation, the rest of the things he's trying to experiment with, not only with by himself, you know, with a group of people he takes to all these ancient, well, let's say sacred sites, you know, places mm -hmm. of power, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you kind of uh, see that he has something going on, you know, the idea that the ancients did have a knowledge of acoustic, did know there was some kind of physiological or mental maybe spiritual reaction in being in such places and trying to to uh, work with meditation and the crystals embedded in the stone blocks that are that are, of, of which these ancient sites are made of may have had a deliberate very uh, very objective uh, purpose you know yeah I, I totally agree I think it was fascinating. I mean, even that little crystal bowl experiment with the water and, mm -hmm. and playing the crystal bowl and the water's leaping out of there due to the vibrations. But by the at the end of the day, that's the whole pur purpose of Paradigm Symposium. You come here, you listen to the presentations, you see the evidence, the quality of the evidence that the, pre the presenters have, and some of the, that quality is extremely compelling, that's something that any scientist should be able to accept, like for example, Mr. Robert Balval, with all the incredible work he's done on the Giza complex, and he has proof. I, I can I, I really. There's no other way to say it. He has proof that the the Giza complex is related, is designed to uh, to represent the Orion's belt and the alignments of the Great Pyramid. Uh, the, to try to coincide with the the star Sirius and uh, with Orion and all that. I mean, that's but something... like ten thousand years ago, right? Well, this, there's also that the fact that now we have a place like Gobekli Tepe in Turkey, which confirms that 
uh, human beings were building megalithic structures uh, 12,000, uh, between 12 and 8,000 years ago. And actually, get this, Gobekli Tepe, that date, 8, 8 to 12,000 years ago, is the date that the people who built Gobekli Tepe deliberately buried it. They buried all, this, all the columns, all the stones, so we actually don't know how old Gobekli Tepe is. For all we know, it might be even uh, older, maybe, what, 20,000 years ago, uh, years old? I don't know, but... Yeah, and, 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 um, and that could correspond with the Sphinx too, right? Because Robert yes. Schock was also there, who's the guy that redated the Sphinx basically due to water erosion. So mm -hmm. that was fascinating to have those two guys there that were two of the main paradigm shifters of, the, of Egypt, of Exa ancient Egypt. Yeah, exactly. So, so those are three, two of the guys who have uh, really kick-started the, I don't know, the alternative uh, Egyptology movie. The other ones is, of, of course, John Anthony West, who was the original uh, partner of Robert Schock, the one who tried to, well, get him involved in this, something that maybe Robert Schock would, uh, came to regret because he's one of the uh, persons who, who has received the most attacks by the uh, academic community for having the heresy to say that the Sphinx was not built by Pharaoh Khafre, that is probably uh, 9,000 years old at, at the minimum. And well, I don't know if any, uh, if you people listening to, to us haven't seen the documentary, The Mystery of the Sphinx that was produced in 1993, I highly recommend it. You can watch it on Netflix. Uh, you can watch all the evidence that both Anthony West and Robert Schock provided in order to support their case. And you can also see all the initial derison they received from Sahih Hawass, another uh, Egyptologist who simply, you know, they tried to stay on their ivory attire, they raised their nose and say, ha, huh, show me the Show me the evidence. Where is where is this ancient civilization who built the pyramid? Where are the pot charts? You know, like like John Ward said, you know, these guys are obsessed with the garden pot charts. And but this, of course, all this was before the discovery of Gavekli Tepe. And when I asked him privately, privately with Dr. Joe Ward about Robert Schock's uh, research, he told me, well, the only way to really uh, show to any skeptics that Robert is right is to find the equivalent of Gobekli Tepe in Egypt. Mm. Now, what's the pro uh, why haven't we found it yet? Well, because that desert is pretty fucking big. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fucking big and it's pretty fucking hard to to live there. So I told to, to, I told John, well, what would you need? I mean, and uh, he told me, you gave me 30,000 pounds a month for five years. I will discover for you Gabekli Tepe, and who has the money for that? There's unfortunately for all these alternative historians, alternative archaeologists, there's a barely any kind of available funding. You know, they have to resource sometimes to using their own private funds, or sometimes using a. a private uh, benefactors, investors, I don't know what, the, the, what name I should apply, but that's the reason why all these discoveries take so long to be validated. And of course, let's, let's consider that Gobekli Tepe was 
initially discovered in the 1960s, but it wasn't until the uh, 1995, I think, that there was this uh, German archaeologist, I don't remember his name right now, who once again started take to decided to take another look to Kebekli and saw that holy shit this is probably the most important archaeological site in in, in all in all mankind yeah you know yeah. and ironically to think that 1995 was uh, four or uh, three years after Robert Shock came with his theory about the data of the Sphinx, and yet Gobekli Tepe has, is now has been fully embraced by uh, by, mod by all historians, and yet Robert Shock is still considered uh, a woo-woo, a woo-woo pseudo-scientist. Yeah, have they, have they have they accepted Gobekli Tepe yet, the mainstream yeah, archaeologists? Yeah, yeah. Or? yeah, I once had a, 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 actually a very polite discussion with an archaeologist on the site IO9, yeah. and some of them said, well, we historians, we love Sites like Gobekli Tepe because so it was Klaus Schmidt. Klaus Schmidt, thank yeah. you, man. And they say that they love to find places like Gobekli Tepe because they revolutionized their their theories and they, uh, let us let them learn more things about the past. But I told them, you know, if that was the case, then Gobekli Tepe will be I don't know by now in every textbooks yeah. of every classroom in yeah. uh, in all the, uh, the, cl the schools of the world and i guarantee you that uh, there's uh, this the books that uh, the grade school kids are still using they probably say that the first civilization that are, uh, arose after the neolithic was uh, mesopotamia uh, in 3000 bc yeah yeah and and uh, robert shock was also making some cool little links to uh easter island too oh yeah that's that and was. and he was saying and i mean he wasn't saying this for sure but he was saying there's definitely some similarities between the stuff they're finding at easter island and gobekli tepe yeah it was kind of eerie because i was there uh, writing my note uh my notes on the my notebook and when i saw some of the things that you can uh, that are part of the this uh, weird T-shaped uh, uh, columns in Gobekli Tepe, and you see there have they have some of them have like uh, very stylized arms and very stylized uh, hands, and the, the yeah, first this thing one's got like a little lizard carved in the side of it. Yeah, and the first thing that came to my head was, oh fuck, this looks like a kind of a, reminds me of a moai, and then yeah. <laughs> you know, five minutes later the guy switches to Easter Island and say, oh fuck, Robert Shock. Is thinking the same the same way as I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of similarities there. Lots yeah. of crazy animals on that thing. Hey, eh? we were we were looking at that going, they, those animals just look really strange. Yeah, it's it's hard to make the uh, to know whether these those were real animals, maybe ex going gone extinct by now, or I don't know. Maybe there were kind of some type of psychedelic trip. You know, the guys were tripping balls, and they were seeing dragons and monsters yeah. <laughs> in front of their eyes. Who knows? That's yeah. the, that's the main point that we still have a lot to learn about Gobekli Tepe. And those two guys, Robert Schock and Robert Bouval, they've been through the ringer, man. They've they've been doing this stuff for a long time, and they've been in conferences where they've been ridiculed and laughed at. And these guys have held their own for years and stuck with it. And now they've got you know enormous um, loads of of evidence and presentation. And and it's just you know you see these guys and you think, how the hell can you? Can you do that for years? They have yeah. good stick to itiveness. 
<laughs> yeah, and they have uh, uh, very good wives, you know, <laughs> who gave them a lot of support because any other person would have been crushed yeah. by all that, yeah. you know, negativity. Oh, yeah. So speaking of wives, uh, Dr. John Warden and uh, Dr. Maria Nielsen were, were there doing a presentation together. Yeah. Actually, I don't think it was planned even, but they did a presentation on their work at... Uh, Serious Ge Project? No, no. it's uh, Gabriel El Cecilla. Oh, and it's yeah, basically, yeah. It's basically the big... Um, White symbols all yeah. over the place. They call it the the mother temple of Egypt, right? Yes. It's like the great quarry for which all the major complexes and temples yeah. uh, in Egypt were built. And they have symbols and carvings going back uh, at least 15,000 years old. Or 8,000 to 10,000, yeah. 10, I think. Yeah. yeah. And some of the, also some of the graffiti and some of the paintings are quite recent, maybe going back even to the 19th century, perhaps even, even uh, younger, you know. So there seems to be an unbroken secret tradition of people who think this place, Gebel al-Cecila, is very important. Why? Well, that's what Dr. John and uh, Dr. Maria are trying to find out. Yeah, yeah, that was fascinating. They were doing some real good uh, archaeological research there on how they're digging out the blocks and how they, how they do the different size of trenches around the blocks and then the spoil heaps for where they would find out uh, all these different size chips mm -hmm. and that would help them tell um, the order of the uh, the chipping tools that they use and, and how, how they actually would dig out the blocks and they kind of they're kind of figuring out how they would lift them out of place yeah. put them in a raft and sail them down the Nile they were at a strategic point in the Nile where it was the narrowest yeah there's something that's something with John you know nothing about levitation or using sound waves or, or using anti-gravity technology now he's he doesn't buy any of that for him the ancients were smart enough to to know how to do that so to build a, a const a temples using three to ten tons uh, blocks without uh, uh, with the technology they have at their disposal and the materials they have at their disposal yeah 
Yeah. Uh, I know, but I think the most shocking thing that we learned during their presentation <laughs> is that Dr. John seems to have a, a thing about red underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 He had some uh, low rise khakis on there, I think. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? This is where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> that is where we're at, man. So, uh, so Christopher O'Brien has a new book coming out. Uh, yeah, Stuck and it's going to be herd. like the, uh, what's that? What's it called? Stocking the Herd. Stocking the, the Herd. Title. Yeah. It's basically going to be a, 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 like a, almost a dictionary for Academy. Of I think this should go dictionary, but yeah. a, a reference book. Yeah. This is going to probably be the definitive book about the mystery of cattle mutilation. This guy is tracking the broader scope available uh, that anyone has tried to undertake about the mystery going back from, you know, to the first taming of bovines by ancient cultures in, I don't know, India or whatever, where, in, uh, where the cow is a sacred animal, and to modern days, you know, how now it would seem that uh, the cows are becoming something like a parasite, you know, there, it may even threaten our, our existence on this planet because, well, think about it. Cows one, are one of the major emitters of uh, greenhouse gases of, due to the methane of their belches and their uh, droppings, we uh, cons the ca our cattle consume insane amounts of water, of uh, grass or grains or uh, of available landmass, just so we, there can be uh, a burger, uh, a Burger King in every corner. And there's also the risk of the the. Kruzfeld Jack of the Seas, I, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kruzfeld yeah. Jack of the yeah. Seas, basically the human equivalent of Mad Cow the Seas that is produced by these very weird uh, uh, life forms called prions, which, by the way, the prions, the first time uh, uh, they were uh, proposed, uh, all the biologists in the world laughed at it because they, they couldn't believe that prions could exist. Now it's the nastiest little <laughs> virus. Yeah, it? now it's. Now they're considered the most basic li life form in the world. And they could become a real problem in the future because they have an incubation period of 40 years. Basically, all of us will, could become uh, prion zombies in 2050 or, 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 or early. <laughs> so, and, and again, Christopher O'Brien wasn't saying that, um, that aliens, aliens were doing this or anything. It was very, very grounded in facts and what was actually going on and that you know that even most of the cases could be explained um prosaically with um you know uh, um yeah the, the scavengers you yeah, know there's yeah. a lot of cases in which scavengers were involved there's also a lot of cases in which it, uh, uh, veterinarian pathologists have agreed with him that it couldn't have been the world the world of, of scavengers like I don't know birds yeah. or coyotes or dogs or wolves and there's even some of the even weirder cases you know this, the ones that he has investigated for example in the infamous Shermer Ranch uh, that most people know as the Skinwalker Ranch you know there were those seem to have been the result of uh, is extreme high strangeness. Yeah, 
Yeah, and he also talked about it being more of kind of a monitoring thing, uh, almost like a biowarfare or a, a monitoring thing with um, <clears throat> sites, uh, nuclear sites, yeah. or other, other testing sites. Yeah, to see whether the radiation has uh, contaminated the water reservoirs or something like that. Yeah, and he made some cool connections with crop circles too and mad cow disease and a lot of kind of timeline things like watching things happen, uh, expansion of consciousness about the whole the whole phenomenon in 67 and all, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that uh, by the end of the year, uh, Stuck in the Hair was one, is going to be one of the most important books uh, released by any, any paranormal research. So uh, Scott Walter also, who I haven't... Uh, <laughs> I haven't really heard much about, no, but, um, but I was talking to some people there that they, they almost came to this thing because of Scott Walter and he, he's done that, uh, that TV show. What is it? Unearthed in America? America Unearthed. America Unearthed. Yeah. And he, he, this was fascinating too. He's really passionate about his, his subject. Um, we talked a lot about the, uh, the Minnesota, no, what was it Minnesota called? Minnesota Runestone? Yeah, the Minnesota, Kensington Runestone. Kensington Runestone. I think I've seen that, actually, on History or something. Yeah, yeah, probably. History 2, I think it's on H2. I mean, this is a scientist, uh, like Robert Schock, he, this is like a geologist, man. He, yeah. He has worked, uh, he has made the work. He's a forensic geologist. Exactly, you know. He has done work that could be used in, a, in any course of role, in any, uh, sorry, course of Court of law, yeah. court of law, and to make the case that those stones, uh, which show well, uh, rune, rune writing, Viking, Viking uh, rune writing, uh, are legitimate uh, archaeological artifacts. Yeah, like going back to 1362, actually in mm -hmm. Minnesota, um, and then he also talked about the Bat Creek stone. Mm -hmm. um, 1362. Yeah, so he's that's he's pre-Columbus. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what he's that's basically saying. Point. So and and this guy too has been been uh, challenged by the current paradigm, you know, and and kind of been ridiculed and stuff. So and and that just I think he's he's kind of a strong-willed guy, and I think that pushed him forward. You know, he's now he's getting into all kinds of other stuff like uh, a bit of astronomy and and yeah, you know, taking it taking it a little deeper. Yeah, he's. He's big into symbology, you know, and they these guys, well, they're not afraid to enter into a speculation realm. You know, some of the things they present, they to me, they seem like overreaching. You know, they sh he showed a picture of the Oreo cookie to, to try to make the case that some of the symbols in the Oreo cookie are Templar symbols. And so, so now you know that the Oreos are the Templar's favorite snack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's the yeah, Templar? Yeah, that was that cross. That yeah. was that cross. Who was that? There was that cross there that he was yeah, showing. Yeah, What's the, it the, called? yeah the double cross. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, Mason shit? Was... is that Mason stuff? Well, the idea is that Masons are Templars. Templars, yeah. It, it's it kind of you know it's all connected. He talked about the Freemason hooked X. Mm -hmm. That was one of his big things. He's got a book on that actually. Yeah, m many of the Dan Brown's things that. Have been said since the release of the Da Vinci Code. Well, even earlier, if people know, but about um, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, who was married, according to these guys, with Mary Magdalene and had a daughter named Sarah. And the case he's making is that there was some secret society who were in charge of trying to guard 
the secret of the sacred lineage, as it were, you know, and those were the Templars. And also the Cistercian monks? Yeah, the Cistercian monks, Cistercian yeah. Monks, the, that they were, the, they were the Templars. Yeah, were, like yeah. the Templars were the arms, the, the, the arms side of the order, while the yeah. others were like the, yeah. the scholars and the theology. Yeah. yeah, and it kind of overlapped a little bit, I think, with yeah. what Robert Bouval was talking about when mm -hmm. he was connecting the Vatican, and he's got a new book out called The Vatican Heresies, and he was connecting Egypt religion or mythology, I don't know which one you would call it, to to the Vatican and how a lot of Egyptian stuff has been built into the Vatican religion and the Vatican sites. And connecting all that with his speedos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, enough about that. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we should go on with uh, to some other guys here too while we're doing it. I don't want to miss anybody out now. Mm -hmm. um, Nick Redfern. Too? That yeah, I to good. totally missed that one. I can't, oh, I yeah, you missed that one. Yeah. So uh, this was kind of new stuff, Darren. He was talking about his new book, Nobody's Eyes Only. Um, he talked about that on our show. It was coming out, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And it was pretty cool. He talked about, you know, like the secrets. Uh, the secret bases? Is that super secret bases and shit? No, no maybe not. No, that's the stuff like um, documents. And, and other um, top secret stuff that goes missing, mysteriously missing. So Roswell and Rendlesham and Porton Down oh, oh. and, you know, all kinds of stuff, even under Marilyn Monroe and the Diary of Secrets of the CIA don't have. Aleister Crowley, he went into all this stuff that, you know, when you go down and, and try and find it, some in some cases, years of documents have been gone missing. Yeah, I mean, Nick Redfern, he is... He's the real deal, man. He he talks the talk, walks the walk. He's not one of those armchair researchers that just because they think that they have uh, tried to search some stuff on the internet that they can yeah, yeah. write a book about that. No, no. He goes through the pains and the procedure of, of going through the uh, Freedom of Information Act, requesting all those uh, the uh, classified documents only to find out that well you know what they they can't find the documents because apparently they went missing yeah yeah and he talked about new things i've never heard of like the cia operation called often i think it was i think talking about curses and witchcraft and these guys experimenting with all that and richard helms one of the old cia directors burned like thirty thousand documents from mk ultra hmm. um hoover's files about like you know all of hoover's dirty files that he had <laughs> uh, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. I wonder how big the America file is by now in the in the NSA drawers. Oh, I don't know. I think it's pretty small. Yeah, there's 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 definitely a couple things in there. <laughs> you think so? You will know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Maybe after you release your. There'll be, the there'll be even fucking more after that, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. We're harmless. We're okay. So yeah, yeah no, so Nick Nick was really good. He he was uh, he did his his regular uh, really yeah. good presentation. So was a crowd pleaser. Yeah. By the so, time well, by the time anyone noticed, if any, by the time we could get ourselves into any real trouble, we'd probably be able to afford lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> we I guess we talked about Laird Scranton when we mentioned PZ Myers. Uh, yeah. Kind of trying to debunk his his presentation. Yeah, I guess we'll, um, let's move on. I did want to say something about L.A. Marzulis because oh, yeah. this is fascinating to me. He he also got into the whole race of giants, right? And I think what happens with a, with a fellow like L.A. Marzulli is he he sees some legitimate uh, evidence 
for giants being uncovered. And then, I mean, how can you not go? Well, I shouldn't say how can you not, but I mean, that's why I think you get led to the Nephilim too, right? I There's mean, a, yeah. all these, all these articles back from the Americas about giants being found, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, to me, that's interesting. You know, it, when you see very different dis disparate uh, texts and you keep going back to the uh, red-haired giants with six fingers and a double set of teeth and you say, okay, maybe this is not a coincidence, but then to go and to say that if you find a, a photograph and you try to analyze the photograph and say, okay, this photograph shows that this skeleton was 10, 10 feet tall, that's not going to help to make his case. You know? Yeah. I mean, that. Even if he had seven people say the exact same height? No, I don't care. You, no? know, you can't extract that evidence from from a, from a image. I mean. But I, isn't, I, isn't that still useful information? Like, if you were him, wouldn't you have done that exercise? Maybe not presented it as evidence, but done the exercise just to see? I would, okay. I would have made the, the, the exercise and I would have tried to look for further evidence, you know? Yeah. But not to say, okay, this is evidence that the word giants. Okay, this is evidence that I need to look further and I need to find another type of, uh, I don't know, something, something else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I guess magic beans. <laughs> yeah, right there, buddy. You got a cold? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You can tell. Oh, yeah, you can see me. That's why you can tell. <laughs> I can see. We can you. see you sneezing, but it's on mute, so we can't <laughs> hear you. That's because I'm a pro. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, the the other one is uh, Dr. John Ward and. Uh, I guess we should talk to, about Scotty and John's presentation. Another, since he put another it presentation that I happened to miss. Sorry, oh, you Scotty. did? Oh, yeah, boy. I was, okay, yeah. I was with Tom, man. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they did, you know, we've talked to Scotty about this on the show already, so I don't want to go too far into it. But John and Scotty basically argued their theories on uh, Moses. Moses, the exodus of Moses. Moses. So I don't <laughs> Sorry. have much to say about that, really. I don't know. I. Uh, that, well, let's talk There's about Elohim. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, it's it's a bunch of Egyptian names I can't pronounce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I get, they have their theories they, of who Moses they, actually was. Who Moses was actually yeah. was, and that he actually was an historical figure, something that someone like P.C. Myers will uh, poo -poo. will poo poo because he can't stand that something that was written in the Bible could be true. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that's I think that's all the no. Let's talk about Thomas Foster. Oh, that's man. oh right. Yeah, oh, I, mean, I love. Sorry, because we've had him on. I have you know I've already I've heard no, a lot no, of the no. stuff. So man, yeah, actually, we man, still have to have Tom back for uh, part two. Oh, he oh, told me he shit. says I'm coming back to Grand America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was fascinating live. He was fascinating. He was he was very good presenter live. Yeah, eh? see how animated he is. Yeah, it was an interesting. I don't know. I think it happened serendipitously. The fact that someone as close-minded as P.Z. Myers came on and they said, "Ah, there's no evidence for this. You know, you're wasting your time." And then Thomas Fosco, who is also a scientist, who is also pretty skeptic, but he happens to acknowledge that many theories that were considered heresies or nonsense and ended up being validated by science. 
For example, the theory of plate tectonics you talked about, the theory of uh, asteroids, you know, the, when, when scientists will say, oh, these stupid peasants who think that rocks could fall from the sky, when we all know that there are no rocks in the sky, and guess what, man, now we know there are comets and asteroids. What else did he say? Well, he also uh, talked about Galileo and how the Vatican's astronomer refused to look uh, through the telescope and say no no this is irrelevant this is yeah. something that is too far away so that is too far away i can't yeah, look yeah exactly look. yeah i mean I, I was about to get up and, and start clapping because that's exactly it man yeah i think that pc myers eventually will end up uh, taking the role of that uh, uh, vatican astronomer and um i've that's one of the things i liked about about thomas fusco's book behind the cosmic veil is mm -hmm. is um the history that he showed in there of all the scientific theories of everything, mm -hmm. you know, and you can go back and see everybody trying to come up with their theory of everything. Yeah, and he's also now presenting his own theory of a super geometry or what he says is a subset. Uh, well, his theory is that what we call the universe is uh, the materialization of information, right? Something like that. Yeah. It's kind of hard to take all in, you know, the... Uh, but uh, the fact that his theory, how he interprets uh, the, the, the materialization of information in, in our physical world could help explain many of the things that have been reported during paranormal cases. One of them, how if, if people report cold spots during uh, on haunted houses, the 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 EVPs or electro what electronic voice phenomena voices that can only be registered by electronic equipment or cannot be heard by uh, a, a human here, and also uh, orbs. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the, the psychokinesis around uh, even the manifestation and disappearance of UFOs. Yeah, and what and what scared the crap out of me the idea that all these uh, phenomena also have uh, the side effect of uh, gamma radiation around these spaces, which should be something that all these would be ghost hunters should take into account because it could be. It got damage into your health. They could mm -hmm. end up. Well, that's something that he is not obviously a hundred percent centered. He he makes the case that maybe this is why so many ghost hunters end up a, a dying of cancer. Yeah, yeah. No, that was that was uh, yeah that was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Did you have any uh, questions about that, Darren? About Fosco? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I like Fusco's gig. And you know, it's weird. I didn't really. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan until we talked to him on the show. I mean, he didn't use any PowerPoint presentation. It's just him, he and his mic, man. And he can't keep the attention of the public, even dealing with these very difficult uh, concepts. You know, if, uh, he has to. Obviously, he needs to. Uh, explain basic scientific terms, uh, what we know about cosmology, about the Big Bang, about the the structure of space and time, about Einstein's contribution, about the, the implicate order proposed by, I don't remember what the moment. David Bohm. David Bohm, thanks. Uh, and all that, you know, and he managed to string 
everything quite nicely in order to make his case. So did you, did you, were you there for the questions for Thomas Fusco? Cause I was actually with, uh, I was doing an interview with Chase Klautsky from KGRA. Yeah, she was, I, she I was, was, she was fantastic. I, I just want to, I was there for the question side. Can't remember anything particular. Well, the, I think what we're now uh, talking about the this uh, alle uh, alleged link between investigated haunted uh, uh, cases and uh, acquiring cancer. You know, oh. that's something that he expanded upon after uh, someone asking about if there were any, any dangers. Uh, you know, about paranormal places, mm -hmm. any risk that he managed to to ascertain through his theory. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So I wanted, before I forget, I want to talk about uh, chatting with uh, Chase Klautsky from KGRA. That was fascinating because that's one of the reasons I love about going to these places too. Because yeah, I've, I've heard her on interviews years ago mm -hmm. and uh, now she has her own show and we were chatting about like all things ufology and it was just fascinating, right? Talking about some of our favorite people in the field and talking about guys like Richard Dolan and Grant Cameron and and her experiences in the field and and where she's where she's at right now just really fascinating stuff how was he how'd the interview go that was good yeah it was just a, you know a little bit about about Grimerica what we do and uh, how I was liking what the do show we do? let's pretend let's let's <laughs> pretend I'm I'm the interview so hey Graham how's it going what do you do <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Gramerica. <laughs> okay. How'd you get there? <laughs> it's a long, long, rough road. It's a long, rough road to Gramerica. But once you get there, never yeah, go back. It's, it's all yeah. roses. <laughs> I mean, they even invited me to uh, the round table with the Scotty and John, something that may, they might have eventually regretted because <laughs> when I came in, all hell broke loose. Yeah, yeah that was good. Um, I do want to mention Joseph Mara first because I don't mm. want to forget about him. He's actually a local guy here, and um, he has... Uh, He's the CEO and manager of Magus Books here. Yeah, Magus Books. And it's Books. Magus Books, or however yeah. you pronounce it. However you Magus? Want to pronounce it. Magus. Magus. I think Magus, yeah. Magus. In Canada, it's Magus. <laughs> well, you're here in Minnesota, so it's Magus. Yeah, but America's in Canada. <laughs> well, but I'm from Mexico, so it's Magus. 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 Well, yeah. So, so, um, and I think it's one of the oldest new agey kind of uh, paranormal occult bookstores in around here for sure but i yeah. think in america i think it's yeah. one of the oldest ones in america so that's pretty cool he's a gnostic priest uh hermetic ceremonial magician yeah and he's a researcher and soon to be author of these subjects so mm -hmm. his you know his presentation was kind of cool he was he was breaking down uh mystery um like as in knowledge understanding and wisdom and uh, talking about strategies, you know, how to surf the ideas, planning and, and keeping a record. It was kind of a, a cool little practical way of just following these subjects. Like I actually kind of learned something to, for, from him there. I'm looking yeah, at his I website was, right now. And, and, he, and the key to life is balance. I like that at the yeah. end. You know, it was just like kind of down earth. And he was a good, good, good uh, speaker. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, he talked. Uh, something about well his uh, beginnings as a 
computer geek back oh, in the, right. the early days of, uh, of the internet, you know, back when there weren't any real internet, just computers uh, connecting using dial-up modems and apparently uh, his parents were very accommodating because he had a server with four, 14 phone lines we had and he had people chatting all over the globe with him they said that the the, the in it, his com his computer room ended to be uh, quite hot at some times but well it, it shows that the guy the guy has been searching for answers uh, for for many years i almost felt for a while that I was when I was looking at him that I was seeing myself <laughs> 10 or 15 years from now you know like in in, in some respects his journey has uh, a lot of parallels with yeah, mine I, you yeah know? I think I even made that connection too especially when he's talking about the old forums right yeah, way exactly. back when when yeah, they had to, when yeah. he had to uh, yeah which which was nice then that he gave some advice some tips for people who might be starting you know their, their own search into all these uh, fascinating topics and this well let's talk it this there are mysteries you know there are mysteries that are driving us to keep searching for answers and sometimes trying to reach those answers can be quite taxing you know can be quite demanding financially i mean everyone who came to paradigm symposium well they obviously had to pay for for the ticket, for for the uh, airplane fare, for staying in the hotel, so maybe they could have used that money in other ways. But they decided to make the the the, the expense because they know it's worth it. And also, people like me who could spend hours and hours uh, searching through the web for stories or reference material instead of doing something else like I don't know, <laughs> working. <laughs> <laughs> Or playing video games. Or playing video games or doing some uh, some workouts, you know. Well, so are you guys going back next year? Oh, well, are you coming or maybe? You better yeah, come. Yeah, I'll come. You better next come year. next year, bitch. Yeah, next year I'll come. So um, I do want to give a shout out to some of the people we met, though. Mm -hmm. I actually was hanging out with some Calgarians. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What? Many Canadians yeah. here, eh? And, well, and yeah, Canadians and Calgarians. So. So get this, uh, I was drinking Red Bull with a guy who's got the uh, unofficial Red Bull drinking world record. Dude, I saw him drink like 50 Red Bulls <laughs> at least. Do you know what his record is? No. Darren, how many Red Bulls? He's going to die, man. No. What well, the fuck? You can't do that. He doesn't eat very much either. No. No, so that's because he's fucking so dying is... from the inside out. No, this is he's he's a pretty cool guy. This no, is Mike yeah. from Toronto. Mike. Oh and, yeah, uh, I bet he's super cool. But Mike from Toronto, <laughs> stop fucking drinking fifty Red Bulls. <laughs> he. Uh, so I want you to guess the record. I'm getting off the energy drinks even for the uh, bunker. I think you're gonna get a coffee maker. I actually yeah, have a coffee that. maker. Yeah, I'd rather do that too. But I gotta I gotta stop drinking coffee during the day then because I have too much coffee during the day. Uh, can never have but anyways, okay. So I guess uh, what am I guessing? In sixteen hours, I don't know how many would you drink. Red Bulls at sixteen hours. Yeah. I would drink. Don't be like ridiculous. Twenty-three. It's Thirty-six. Fuck. <laughs> he was sponsored by Red Bull. He, the, these two Red Bull girls came into the bar and dropped a case off for him, and yeah. he already had twelve. I think his paradigm uh, ticket was sponsored by Red Bull also because I saw him drink nothing but Red Bull. 
And <laughs> and then we uh, we had Stuart from Calgary. Oh yeah, he told us some really cool stories. You know? Yeah, shadow people encounters and yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, he was he was cool. We walked yeah. uh, we walked back to the hotel once. Yeah, uh, this is it's his second time. Yeah, on part. yeah. Were you they listeners? Him. Were they listeners? Um. No, I don't think he's Stuart. Oh, I remember Stuart. I remember yeah, Stuart. He, he's got the glasses. Yeah. He Yeah. 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 I know Stuart. Yeah. There's also Greg. Yeah, Greg. You know, he's also yeah. from come from Calgary. Yeah, he, yeah, well he moved from Grand Prairie, I think. He now he's living oh, in Calgary. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, Greg. Yeah, I remember Greg. Yeah, the big guy. Yeah. 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 And there's also my Mexican compadres, Jason Philip, who came for a second time. And Erica también from Mexico, yeah, from Mexico yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, it was great, cool <laughs> talking to someone in my language yeah, again, yeah. you know. Who's M. Tramov? Someone was uh, tweeting me today. That's that's uh, that's uh, Mike. And for, let's from not Toronto. For, that's yeah. the Red Bull dude. Oh, that's let's Red Bull dude? That. Yeah. Call him Jeez. Red Bull Junkie. I was a <laughs> yeah. Red Bull Junkie. That's yeah, I was name. actually tweeting with that guy today. I would have told him to not drink so many Red Bulls if I would have known. But and of so, course, so um, and then uh, Carol, Carol uh, Novina in, on Twitter, which he was also hanging around with us. You know, he she is from Austin, Texas. Yeah. 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 yeah, she knows of the No Agenda guys in Austin, too. And, and she's not afraid to, to fight with PZ Myers on Twitter, too. Yeah, she so. told PZ Myers to be polite to everybody and, exactly. and take it easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. And then we have uh, Lame Carmen and Candy. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> they were a blast. They Absolutely were a blast. indeed a blast. Yeah. <laughs> they were almost an experience. <laughs> Itself. Almost paradigm shattering on the Yeah, own. yeah. They they tried to shift my paradigm. I think <laughs> I think I might have shifted Lame Carmen's paradigm, unless she was lying to me, but she bought a crystal. I told her that she was, you know, one Did day she? one day she would realize because the, she was raising yeah, in vibrations. She was that she would be mocking during Gary during Gary Evans presentation, even though she thought that Gary was adorable. <laughs> but it felt it made her feel better. Ah yeah, well. So yeah, there she you was, go. Yeah, I think I, I shattered her paradigm. Big shout out to Carmen and, and and Candy. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And I met uh, a woman from uh, where does she live now? Seattle, named Shannon. She's been to a couple of different conferences. Just mm -hmm. fascinating meeting meeting uh, just people you can talk to about anything, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone is polite here. Everyone is willing to listen to your crazy ass theories or your. Uh, um, almost unbelievable uh, uh, stories, you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and we met Leon from New York, who was talking about that Hudson Valley sighting, and he's oh, yeah. he's, he's got a book coming out. Hey, was he there last year? I don't think he was. Was he the guy, oh, the firefight, the firefighter guy from New York? No, no. But uh, the the guy that worked for the government, Brett, he was there last year, and he was here this yeah. year too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll, yeah. You'd remember him, Darren. Um, but Leon's got a book coming out called The Adam and the Something. Well, I, I can't remember now. You need to read And he's going to come on the show, yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, man, got lots of lots of uh, guests lined up, learned lots, had a blast. Yeah. I mean, I think we're still glowing with 5D energy, I would speak. <laughs> <laughs> and we wish Ben and Aaron were here from Mysterious Universe. Oh, yes. I mean, Ben and Aaron who, who couldn't make it, but... 
uh, hopefully next week, uh, next year, and they will, uh, hopefully they also bring along uh, Elliot. You know. So. Yeah, yeah, and the other people I missed this year was Caleb and Jason and Maureen from Open Minds. Caleb, Jason, and Leah, uh, Tyler Pittman, and of course my friends Chris Hedges and Matt Oakley. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. had a good chat with uh, Caleb and Tyler the other night, so that was good. Yeah. yeah. So that's about it, man. Do you have any uh, thoughts or questions? No, not really. No, no, I think I'm good. You guys filled me in pretty good, I think, in an hour and I, ten minutes. I was like, yeah, I was I there. Hope, I hope we got it, everybody, because I, I was just writing, yeah, like, I mean, writing little notes in my phone, so yeah. I don't know if, uh, if I hope we, I didn't If miss we anybody. missed to mention uh, somebody, please forgive us. We're <laughs> kind of tired, you know. It's, it, it, the paradigm, it's kind of head hectic for four days and trying to cram in all the information in, in, yeah, inside your skull. Yeah, it's quite overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's yeah. why I t take the mornings off. <laughs> uh, what time do you guys out of there first thing in the morning? No, I'm I'm uh, I'm leaving at uh, three tomorrow. I'm so. leaving until Wednesday, actually. Yeah. You know, I try to uh, do some sightseeing. <laughs> yeah. Right on, Minnesota in the winter, or I guess it's fall. Well, for me, seeing snow will be some, something of a spectacle because I haven't seen snow. It was snowing no. a little bit today. I'm yeah. trying to get get the snow for RPJ here. He's, yeah, they're trying to get it. What does that entail? A lot of uh, tulpa meditation. Tulpa, you're meditating snow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So our listeners could help by thinking about snow right now. No, no, don't think about yeah. snow. If they think about snow, you'll miss your flight tomorrow. Oh, they no, no, it's a little snow. No, they, they fly through snow. Oh, there's, okay. like a, there's like a foot of snow here, dude. Yeah, right. Whoa. Yeah, man, you were just golfing the other day, weren't you? Yeah, but it's been snowing since like, Bullshit. I don't know. No, it's 17 degrees. I just checked. <laughs> 17 degrees. Nice try. <laughs> so... So uh, yeah, well let's uh, let's chat soon, and we'll see you when I get uh, when I get home. Seventeen degrees Celsius for the record. That's right. Yeah. So what's that? You got to times it by one point eight and add thirty-two. So, I thought it was doubling and add. So it's 30. like thirty. It's probably like sixty-two. So thirty sixty-two Fahrenheit, not double it. One point eight. <clears throat> or times like I don't know. Yeah, it's one point eight anyway. I know that. <clears throat> All right, buddy. Yeah, you guys have fun tonight. Play safe. And uh, I suppose that about wraps it up for uh, this Grimerica Paradigm special. Uh, we'll probably link to all this stuff in the show notes and any music that we played. We'll link to that as well. And um, I suppose that's it. Anything you guys want to say? Well, that if after listening to this, you're still thinking of, I hope that after listening to this, you consider attending next year Paradigm Symposium. It's going to be a blast, you know. There are many of the people who, many of the presenters are going to return next year, and I'm sure there will be other, other ones and with new material, new ideas, new things to expand your horizons to, to I don't know, to help you in your journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it, it'll be good. And it'll be good next year, too. I trust that.